You know, as we um, look at this portion of Scripture here today, this is the, uh, the portion that Pastor Sam had uh, chose for uh, this Sunday, and uh, I especially uh, like it, especially for a um, time of baptism, but it's, it's one of my favorite portions of Scripture, especially that, that one part in the center that we uh, focused on for a little bit. But this portion of Scripture says this to us, and it begins in this way, and it says, I tell you this so that no one will deceive you with fine-sounding arguments. That's what we're going to think about here for a while. Jesus, as we look at this portion of Scripture, I pray that you might um, just help us to have great wisdom as we think about our spiritual life. Help us not to be deceived by fine-sounding arguments, but instead be convinced by the powerful truths of your word. Jesus, would you fill me with your Holy Spirit today and give me a usable spiritual gift from your Holy Spirit that I might proclaim your word with all of the truth, the excitement, the spiritual unction that it deserves, and then help, it, help each one of us to allow your word to work in our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Don't be deceived by... Fine-sounding arguments. You know, that takes an awful lot of wisdom. And as I thought about wisdom and, you know, maybe even babies, uh, reminded me a little bit of uh, King Solomon. Do you remember him in the Old Testament? He was just beginning uh, to be king, and he realized the enormity of his, uh, of his position. And as he thought about that, he realized what he really needed more than anything else was a great portion of God's wisdom. And so he asked for that, and God promised to not only give him wisdom, but wealth and a long life and victory over his enemies because he asked for wisdom rather than a lot of other things. And it wasn't very long until we see in the story of Saul, Solomon the uh, wisdom taking place. Two mothers came before him. They each had had small babies. But unfortunately, one of the babies had died during the night, and there was only one left. And they came before Solomon, each claiming that the baby was theirs. How do you decide? And of course, we know the story. He said, take out your sword to the guard that was next to him, cut the baby in half, and give each one half the baby. The one mother said, sure, fine, go ahead and do it. The other mother said, no, don't do it. And Solomon knew right away which one was the mother. The mother would rather give her child to the other person than have it put to death. Wisdom. Don't be deceived by fine-sounding arguments. You know, there's a lot of fine-sounding arguments out there. And especially when it comes to spiritual matters, there's a lot of fine-sounding arguments out there. 
But when we think about spiritual life and how to be right with God and how to spend eternity in heaven instead of hell, we come to the conclusion that there are two different ways. There's man's way and there's God's way. Man's way says, I realize that I have offended a holy God. What should I do? This is what I'll do. I'll work a little harder. I'll try to serve God in this way or in that way, and then he will be pleased with me. God says to us in Proverbs 16, 25, there's a way that seems right to a man, but in the end it leads to death. And that's the judgment on man's way, our way. But God has a different way. And he says, although you have sinned and your sin deserves absolute punishment in hell forever and ever, I love you. I will accept you. I will take the punishment that you deserve so that I can be merciful to you. We think of Isaiah 55 where God says, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the evil man his thoughts. Let him turn to the Lord and he will have mercy on him. And to our God, for he will freely pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts and neither are my ways. Your ways, declares the Lord. Paul desired that these uh, Christians in Colossae would rest in God's wisdom and not be deceived by fine-sounding spiritual arguments. You know, there are some deceiving arguments out there, and if we uh, look at verse 8, and by the way, if you want to have your Bibles open to this section, uh, that would be great. It's Colossians chapter 2. Can I just give you a little trick that I use? You know, you've got the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and then uh, Acts and Romans, 1st and 2nd Corinthians, and then a little uh, saying that helps you with the next four to find it. General Electric Power Company, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, and then you're at Colossians. That's where we're at. The rest of them, you just have to memorize that. But um, if we, as we look at uh, this second chapter of Colossians, we have verse 8 there. Deceiving arguments, and it says, See that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the basic principles of this world rather than on Christ. Don't base your relationship on God on, with hollow and deceptive philosophy that depends on anything but Jesus. And then we notice there are some powerful truths. Verse 6. There's three things in this. So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue in him. Number one, rooted and built up in him. Two, strengthened in the faith that you were taught. And number three, overflowing with thankfulness. Being rooted and built up in him. We put off the old sinful nature and we're connected to the cross. And we think about baptism. What does God say about baptism here? And we have to say, what does God say? Not what are 
all kinds of deceiving arguments. Here's what God says, verses 12 through 14. Having been buried with him, that is it with Christ, in baptism. It's talking about baptism, what we just saw. Having been buried with him in baptism and raised with him through your faith in the power of God, who raised him from the dead. When you were dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your sinful nature, God made you alive in Christ. He forgave us all of our sins. Having canceled the written code with all of its regulations that was against us and stood opposed to us, he took it away, nailing it to the cross. God forgave your sins when he died on the cross if you simply will put your faith in what he did. When Jesus died there on the cross, he had fulfilled every one of God's laws. And we remember he said, it is finished. The law that stood against us now was finished and nailed to the cross. And your punishment and guilt is gone. It's a powerful truth. A powerful truth that we begin our spiritual life totally by God's grace. And many people understand that. Unfortunately, here's where we oftentimes get sidetracked. We begin to think that we began by grace, but we're strengthened in the Christian life in some other way. Remember I said there was three things, first rooted in Christ, then strengthened in, in Him. And here's where Paul begins to speak to us about some of these deceiving arguments. And we're just going to touch on them uh, very briefly because of the time here today. First of all, there's legalism. And there's three things, and they, they all have big words. What do they mean? What does legalism mean? And basically means salvation and a relationship with God by obedience to the law. Verse 16, don't let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink or with regard to a religious festival or a new moon celebration or a Sabbath day. It's trying to be right with God and strengthened by observing the law that causes us to focus on, is it Jesus or ourselves? We begin to focus on what we can do then rather than on Christ. And the Word of God tells us when we do that, we're falling away from Christ. Paul was writing to another church, Galatians, and he says this, when you're trying to be justified by the law, you've been alienated from Christ and you've fallen away from grace. So can we be strengthened in, in Christ when we're trying to observe the law in order to be right with God? No. We're falling away from Christ. The next thing that we notice is, is mysticism. There was legalism and then mysticism. What, what is mysticism? And I'll label it as practicing spiritual matters apart from connection with, with Jesus Christ. Verses 18 and 19. Do not let anyone who delights in false humility and the worship of angels disqualify you for the prize. Such a person goes into great detail about what he has seen 
and his unspiritual mind puffs him up with idle notions. False humility and pride. Look how spiritual I am. And once again, where's the focus? When we do this, and at times we do, the focus comes back to me and not to Jesus. Or the worship of angels, or thinking about all kinds of spiritual things that are not necessarily connected to the cross. Focusing on those instead of Jesus. And when that happens, we're disqualified for the prize of salvation in Jesus Christ. Because we've lost connection with Christ. Verse 19, he has lost connection with the head from whom the whole body is supported and held together by its ligaments and sinews and grows as God causes it to grow. And the third one, asceticism. What, what, you know, and that's not even in my vocabulary. When was the last time any of you used that word, asceticism? Al, Al read it about three times, didn't you? You know, and so maybe we need to define what it means. And it's denying a bodily pleasure or inflicting pain on ourselves to become acceptable to God, to satisfy His wrath. And we look at verses 20 and 21. And, and by the way, I have a different uh, translation here than what Al uh, read, and mine does not use that word asceticism, but... It says, since you died with Christ to the basic principles of this world, why, as though you still belong to it, do you submit to its rules? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch. These are all destined to perish with use because they are based on human commands and teachings. And you know, there are those times when, when people, and maybe even when we, try to prove our sincerity to God by denying pleasure or even causing ourselves pain and harm in order to satisfy God. Sometimes we do it because of the guilt of our sin. But guilt is taken away not through these things, but yes, back, back at the cross. Don't let anyone judge you with regard to these things, for they have no value when it comes to spiritual strength. Verse 23, these things, regulations indeed, have an appearance of wisdom with their self-imposed worship, their false humility, their, far, their harsh treatment of the body, but they lack any value in restraining sensual indulgence. What is valuable for spiritual strength? And it can only be turning our focus back to what Jesus did. Verse 6, we read it again. So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live in him. Rooted and built up, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. Overflowing with thankfulness. You know, as we think about our life and all of these things that we've talked about don't give us spiritual strength with God. Why, why then is it that we should live for God? And it's because that we are thankful for what He has done. 
In my congregation up in Thief River Falls, there was this one lady. Uh, uh, her name was Floanne Bredesen, and uh, she was always trying to figure out some way to help you, or not only us, but, but anybody. She was just a wonderful person. And I remember uh, one time I had bought a, uh, a computer. Thief River Falls is a small community, and they like to uh, keep, uh, keep their, uh, they, they, they like you to do business with the local people. And, you know, sometimes I just didn't get it being someone from a large city. And, and our academy needed a, a, a new computer. And so uh, when I was down here in the Twin Cities, there was a great buy on one at Best Buy. 400 and some dollars. And so I bought it thinking, this will be great for our academy. And I brought it back, and everybody says, oh, no, we need to buy locally. Then I felt terrible. <laughs> the unfortunate part was, uh, and I, I decided I would keep the computer for myself rather than, than you know, and let them spend more money and buy it locally, you know. And uh, we were getting ready to go on vacation and I thought, well, I have this money saved, set aside for vacation. Uh, I guess I'll just have to spend some of that. And, uh, but I was praying. Do you ever pray for money? I do, you know, if you need some. Uh, the, you know, one thing, a hint here for, for guys, maybe for gals too, if you're praying for a certain uh, dollar amount of money and you're married, let your spouse in on the prayer so that they know when the money comes that what what where what it was what the purpose was anyway i had been praying for this 400 dollars and we were getting ready to go on vacation and this this lady floan bredesen she uh, she called me on the phone she said my arthritis is is really bad today but um, i'm going to send an envelope for you uh, with judith wold her her uh, relative, close relative. And so she says, but I don't know if I have the amount right. So anyway, here comes this envelope when I was getting out of church for the exact amount of the computer. Floyd Bredesen, she, uh, she was a lovely, she was elderly. Her husband had died. And she had adopted our kids as her kids or her grandkids, uh, always bringing food over to us, uh, just bringing gifts and baked goods, and we loved her. And how do you think that we treated her because of her love for us? We were thankful for it. We never wanted to take advantage. We loved her in return. We respected her. We never wanted to do anything that would dishonor her. And so it is with our relationship with God. God hasn't just given us $400 for a computer. But he has taken away our sins. He has taken away our punishment in hell forever and ever by dying on the cross. And so how should we live? We should live in thankfulness. And you know, isn't that really the joy of the Christian life? That we can live for Jesus not because I have to 
in order to earn heaven and always doing things begrudgingly, but because I get to. Because Jesus, the one who loved me first, I love him, and I want to honor him with my life. Lord Jesus, as we think about life, as we think about what it says here that at the cross you took away all of our sins and, and even the law that was against us, it was paid in full and you took it away too from us. Help us to live for you, O oh God. Give us a joy in doing it. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.